So every now and then, a member of a band or a group will step outside the boundaries of that group and produce what we call a solo album. Now, a lot of times, solo albums are, eh, just okay. But every now and then, the artist will come away having produced something that is not only brilliant and different, but just something that endures and is just great to listen to. In this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I want to share with you five solo albums that I listen to all the time and just dearly love. So stick around. This will be a fun one. I'll be right back. You know, as a songwriter and a musician, I appreciate the challenge of wanting to do your own thing for a little bit. I think sometimes we we look at musicians who break away from the group and do their own thing as, you know, being adulterous in a way. Uh, but I think that it's important, you know, for the creative process for, for our guys to be able to step away and, and do something different, do something with a different group of people. I think it keeps the creative juices going. And, and sometimes it's the only way if you're, you know, well, you'll see when we get there. Anyway, this um, this list is in no particular order, but there's five albums that are solo albums I, I really love and really think a lot of. The first one is David Gilmore by David Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore, of course, is the incredible guitarist and uh, one of the lead vocalists for Pink Floyd. Although he was the new guy, he's the one who stepped in when Sid Barrett uh, was losing it. David Gilmore stepped in and kept Pink Floyd going. And then, of course, Roger Waters decided to to break up the band and go his own way because everybody was tired of Roger Waters and David Gilmore decided to keep Pink Floyd going. And so uh, that was the big lawsuit and all that. But uh, in 1978... David Gilmore stepped out with a couple of guys that he had actually played with back in his college days, and he produces this album, David Gilmore. And when you listen to it, it's got uh, just kind of the right mix of instrumental, uh, bluesy coolness, and then also that that kind of pop rock um, excellence. Uh, the, the, the song that most people who know the album, uh, recognize and remember is There's No Way Out of Here, which is a really, really good song. Although I like the whole album. I I think it's just an an excellent, excellent record from beginning to end. And it's one that uh, I just enjoy listening to. Uh, I remember it was released in 1978. Uh, That was right about the same time that The Wall came out. And so David Gilmore is pretty fed up with dealing with Roger Waters and uh, stepped away to do something a little bit unique. And since then, uh, Gilmore's put out several solo albums, but I've listened to some of them, and and I love this first record the most. I think it's got the most heart, and I just think that uh, as an album, it's it's just a great one uh, to listen and, and enjoy. If you like Pink Floyd, you will like David Gilmore by David Gilmore. 
if you love blues guitar, you will like this record. If you like just kind of laid back and, and groovy music, you will like David Gilmore, uh, this album from 78. So I, I suggest you go out and listen to it. Uh, and if you're like me, if you go listen to it on YouTube or whatever, you're probably going to want to add this one to your collection. It's a really, really good album. The next one I want to talk about is Donald Fagan, The Nightfly. This album was released in 1982. Donald Fagan, of course, is the uh, keyboardist, uh, lead vocalist, and one of the driving forces of Steely Dan. And The Nightfly, it's almost like it's almost like listening to another Steely Dan album, but it's not. It's really, it's just really a fantastic record. And um, it's got uh, a couple of hit songs off of it uh, that you would recognize. It's got some really, really great music. And the cool thing that I found out about this album um, is that it's really kind of Donald Fagan's uh, concept album about the 50s. So... Uh, the New Frontier, you know, she's got the right dynamic for The New Frontier, all about hanging out, having a party in the bomb shelter that the old man built in the backyard. Very 50s. Uh, there's just uh, music about, you know, escaping out of Cuba uh, during the revolution. There's all of these great songs um, that, that are are just, when you kind of realize what he's doing, and you, you put it back onto that 50s childhood that, that he had, you realize what a brilliant record this is. And musically, it's just so much fun. If you like Steely Dan, you will love The Nightfly. But it does not have Donald Becker on it, so it is not a Steely Dan album. Uh, of course, by 82, Steely Dan you know, was kind of on the brink of being toast, although they came back and put out a few records later on. And Steely Dan had, you know, after their third album, I believe, had stopped being a band at all, really. It was just Donald Fagan and Walter Becker who are bringing in a group of studio musicians to lay down Steely Dan music, and then they weren't actually touring at all. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing Donald Fagan uh, with a a group of young musicians, all 20-somethings, in Atlanta a couple of years ago. And he played a lot of the Nightfly album in that concert. And it was just a great, great show. I mean, he's a, he's an old guy, right? And it was so funny because it got to be 10 o'clock. The concert was over. Donald was going to bed. Uh, but it was really, really a lot of fun. Donald Fagan, one of my favorite writers of music of all time. And uh, his lyrics are just so, so incredibly wry and interesting. And then musically, again... If you like jazz and you like rock and roll, I think Donald Fagan uh, blends those two music types together in a way that nobody else ever has. And so I'm a huge Steely Dan fan, but I really like this solo album by Donald Fagan called The Nightfly from 1982. Now, it's no secret. I have never made it a secret that I am a huge Journey fan. I love Journey. I love Journey in all of their glorious iterations, the pre-Steve Perry, the you know early Steve Perry with Greg Raleigh, and then Greg Raleigh leaves the band and Steve Perry takes over, and they did some great music. Uh, I think that Journey is just awesome. And then, of course, Steve Perry uh, flaked out and, 
and left. Uh, they did throw out an album in the mid-90s that only came out on CD, and I'll be honest, I've never listened to that album because everything I have uh, from Journey is on vinyl. Um, and I, I need to get raised on radio, which was the last vinyl album that they put out uh, in the 80s before Steve kind of freaked out and dropped off and then came back and then they didn't tour and blah, blah, blah. Of course, since then, Journey's had a variety of lead singers and they've kept going. Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane have kept the band up and they're still touring today as Journey, uh, but without Steve Perry. But in 2018... Steve Perry put out a solo album called Traces. And this is actually his third solo album. Uh, he put out one in the 80s, uh, which had the song Oh Sherry on it, which sounds a lot like a Journey album. Uh, he put out one in the 90s that, again, I've never listened to. It only came out on CD, and I wasn't really listening to a lot of music at that point in my life. Uh, but this one came out, and, and I saw it, and I took a chance. It was one of those, I, I actually, be honest, true story, I had a gift card. Uh, for Barnes & Noble. I'm in there. I've got this $25 gift card. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm going to get something. And I'm looking through the records, and there's this Steve Perry album. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to lay down my $25 gift card and pick up this record. And I'm so glad I did, because this is a great album. Uh, and, and when you try to get the story behind it, it's even better. Steve Perry was actually um, he's sitting in a doctor's office and this, this beautiful woman walks through and he's kind of smitten with her and he asks the doctor about her and the doctor says, well, you know, she's terminal. She has cancer. And uh, Steve Perry decides to reach out to her anyway and they, they enter into this relationship and she's dying and she looks at him and says, you have to put out music. Uh, you need to, to release some music. Your fans are desperate to hear your voice and you need to do that and then she died and out of that experience he goes into the studio and lays down what is one of the i think one of the most beautiful albums that i own i i, I just you know i mean steve perry has the perfect voice and yes he's older now uh, but his voice hasn't really lost anything uh it probably he's down one you know register he's he's not singing and E flat anymore. He's singing in C, but you know, the voice is still there. The song quality is still there, and the production quality on the album is incredible. And uh, so, if you haven't heard uh, "Traces" by Steve Perry again, released in 2018, uh, you need to. If you like Journey, you will like this album. If you love Journey, you will not be disappointed by this record. And I highly, highly recommend it I, I just think it's it's fantastic so david gilmore by david gilmore the nightfly from donald fagan traces by steve perry three great artists from three fantastic bands uh and there's still two more to go so stick with me we'll finish this thing out be right back So anybody who can play drums and sing at the same time is just impressive to me. I, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, and, and these last two albums are both drummers, which is kind of fascinating. I didn't plan it that way, but it worked out. Anyway, 1984, Don Henley of the Eagles puts out Building the Perfect Beast. It's actually his second solo album. In 1984, the Eagles were pretty much uh, not happening uh, 
the um, Hell Freezes Over tours a couple of years away. <laughs> and they had said they would get back together when Hell Freezes Over. But Building the Perfect Beast, uh, it's got The Boys of Summer. It's got you know so many other great songs on it. Uh, for me, uh, it's from 1984, and it's it's one of the most iconic 80s albums of all time. I think this is this is a perfect record. And I don't say that lightly. There's not many perfect records that every song on the album is meaningful. Every song is well-produced. Every song is, is a great song and could be a hit on its own. But Building the Perfect Beast, to me, does not have a bad song on it. Don Henley's voice uh, is just iconic. I mean, when you think of the Eagles, yes, Glenn Fry, fantastic. You know, uh, Randy Meisner was fantastic. But it's Don Henley whose voice you really associate with the Eagles most of the time. And I just love this album. Uh, it's one of those that when when I'm in the mood just to kind of uh, revisit my childhood, if you will, I will reach in and pull this one out and put it on. And, and I just think it's great. Again, it, it runs the gamut. There's great ballads on this album. There's great rockers on this album. And there's really cool synth pop. I mean, this is 84, so it's interesting. You got, you know... It's got that 80s drum machine, tinty keyboard, keytar, if you know what that is. If you're my age, you know what a keytar is. It's got that sound to it in places, and yet it's still a great record. It doesn't diminish as time goes by because of the production quality. If anything, I think it just gets stronger and stronger. Um, I must, You Must Not Be Drinking Enough is just one of the greatest songs ever produced for my money and I, I love Don Henley and I love building the perfect beast it's it's one of my all-time favorite solo albums but Don Henley is not my favorite drummer now he's a good drummer don't get me wrong and he can sing and drum at the same time and I think that is just a fascinating ability I don't really understand how you can do that uh, but he's not my favorite drummer my my favorite drummer of all time is Roger Taylor uh, of Queen. And in 1981, Roger Taylor put out this album called Fun in Space. And unless you're a diehard Queen fan, you probably don't even know this album exists. There was absolutely no hit off of it. There's no airplay. Uh, here in the States especially, it, it was kind of uh, one of those it came and went kind of events in 81. Uh, this is uh, right, what, 81? The uh, Flash Gordon soundtrack had come out and the game was coming out. Uh, so it's right around that era of Queen. There's a lot more Queen that's going to happen before Freddie Mercury is going to pass away. Uh, but, and of course, everybody, you know, is like, you know, Roger Taylor's doing his own thing. Well, he really did. In fact, when you read the liner notes of this album, he plays every instrument every note every vocal harmony everything is roger taylor except for the keyboards on a couple of couple of tracks he did the entire thing and i love uh in this in the notes uh, on the album he says this this is my first solo album i hope you enjoy it if not sod you perfect roger taylor 
attitude. And, and that's one of the reasons I just love him so much. But this, this is a good album. It's kind of, uh, it, it's very futuristic. The whole kind of concept of it is, is the future. Uh, the album cover itself is fantastic. The album cover shows this alien holding a magazine with Roger Taylor's face on it. And you flip it over the back and it's Roger Taylor holding a creepy magazine with the monster's face on it so it's kind of giving you that idea of you know this sci-fi kind of thing again is right during the whole flash gordon phase where uh you've got uh queen you know roger they're using these synthesizers and, and different things and so it's really kind of got that flash gordon feel to it and yet when you listen to the lyrics it's it's some of the really most interesting and and sensitive sci-fi lyrics that you'll ever hear and i love roger taylor's songs when i when i listen to queen albums uh from the first one all the way to the end i love the roger taylor songs i am just i always have thought that um you know he could have been a rock star on his own uh, if Freddie Mercury had not been so incredible, it would have been Roger Taylor's band. And he kind of sat in the background, which kind of, I think, leads a lot of credence to Roger Taylor as a human being because he, he knew how wonderful Freddie Mercury was and didn't mind having one song on the album. Uh, although, as the the years went by, he actually wrote so many of the huge Queen hits. Uh, he wrote I'm In Love With My Car. Uh, he wrote Radio Gaga. He wrote... Uh, so many of the great bombastic rock hits that Queen had. But this album, Fun in Space, I'm telling you, if you love Queen, and if you love the Roger Taylor songs on those Queen albums, you need to listen to Fun in Space. Uh, anybody who knows the record will tell you the same thing. This is, is a fun, fun album, and it will resonate with you uh, and you'll want this one in your collection. It's really, really, of all of these, uh, it's probably the most soloist of all the solo albums. It's Roger Taylor stepping away from Queen and doing an entire album in the studio pretty much by himself. You don't get much more solo than that. Uh, and what he turned out to me is just one of the most fantastic records uh, of all time. I love Fun in Space by Roger Taylor. So get the record, listen to it, and tell me what you think. I'm really curious to know if you love it as much as I do. Well, there's my list. Great solo albums. David Gilmore by David Gilmore. The Nightfly by Donald Fagan. Traces by Steve Perry. Building the Perfect Beast by Don Henley. Finally, Fun in Space by Roger Taylor from Queen. Uh, you know, Pink Floyd, Steely Dan, Journey, The Eagles, and Queen. Pretty good band uh, group. And can you imagine David Gilmour and Roger Taylor on guitar, Donald Fagan on keyboard, Steve Perry on vocals, and Don Henley on drums? Can you imagine what that band could have turned out? Would it be pretty amazing? Anyway... That's all I got for you this time. I hope you enjoyed it. Go out, listen to these records. You'll like them, I promise. And if you hate them, let me know. I don't expect to hear that, though. Well, I hope you enjoy this, and until we meet again, 
Fellow travelers, travel well. And God bless you. See you next time. I really do appreciate you listening to the podcast. And I I do hope that you will share this with your uh, friends. Uh, Just send them the link um, for whatever um, outlet you're listening to me on. There's four or five that I'm actually on now, which is pretty cool. Um, If there's a place on your app to like this, I'd appreciate it. If there's a place to rate it, that'd be great. Uh, If you have feedback for me, uh, if you know me, just send me a text. Uh, If you don't know me, you can go to theeclecticmonk.com and you'll find in the contact, there's an email. I would love to have your email address. I would love to get to know you. I would love to share um, my adventure with you. And so again, I I appreciate you, uh, fellow travelers, all nine of you. If you are one of the nine, hold up your hand and uh, know that you are sincerely appreciated and loved. Till we meet again, have a great day and God bless you.